terrorize the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast from the Black Lagoon. I'm Brian. And I'm Nick. And today we are going to be covering Hereditary. Now, Brian. Yes, Hail you, King Payman. Yeah, uh, you, I'm excited about it. You know you, this. <laughs> yeah, you're the one who recommended this one to me. And I believe honestly, in every episode we've ever done, I've brought it up. <laughs> probably. Without a doubt, you've probably mentioned this to me about five yes. million five million times uh, i would say this time. is probably one of one of your that's a over exaggerated number but um this is probably one of your favorite horror movies yes. up there modern yep um i'm a little bit iffy on this one i'm a, I'm a, I'm a little Good. bit iffy on this one because i feel i had a feeling I, you would I, be. I, like i'm kind of torn because i could see this being like somebody's such as yourself as like a iconic horror movie like somebody's all-time favorite because it does build like this like eerie immersion and uh with with the music and everything and oh yeah it, it just it keeps you at the edge of your seat and honestly um this is a this is a 2 hour long movie if if you've never heard of this movie this is a 2 hour long movie and it's like when you watch it for the first time you're going to miss so much and that's yes. probably yes. why I'm so I'm so torn about this movie because I want to like it and there are parts of this movie that make me go oh fuck I really like I really 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 want this to be like my number one top favorite but I'm just so torn apart because of how long this movie is and there are some things about this movie that kind of just annoy the shit out of me like uh when char charlie has this sort of like nervous tick i guess where she clicks her tongue and for me that's like one of my pet peeves it's it's whenever somebody is smacking their mouth while they're eating or they're clicking their tongue whatever (laughs) whenever somebody's making noise with their mouth besides talking because if that were the case then i'd just be an outrageous asshole and i wouldn't want to be around people well most of the time i don't want to be around people anyways but charlie annoys the shit out of me every time she clicks her fucking tongue and it just makes me want to crawl into my tv screen (laughs) and just choke her out and well i i know there's there are more reasons in this why why you may be on the fence about this movie and and i look forward to diving into those um, before we get too far into it <laughs> i i want to just kind of overview this with firstly nick and i our, our unique brand of movie reviewing is we, we basically have zero audience because we spoil them 
if you haven't watched this movie, this is not the review for you. We're going to really dive into this, and um, this won't be a comprehensive discussion of it, but we are not going to hold back. So we're watch also, this movie. It's yeah. well worth a watch. We're also and, and, in the... But we're going to freely we're, talk about this. <laughs> we're also in the business of uh, covering movies that have been, like, well, way past the uh, yes. popular... Um, Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Yeah. That's just us, though. Yeah, th- this isn't trending anymore, but it, it's a great movie, and, and we're, we just need it for the archives. We're, we're just building up our review archive, and we love doing it. So this film is... I find it to be riveting. It's a slow burn. Firstly, the reason I like this movie so much is because it opens up an entirely new route for horror movies. When you look back at like classic horror films, there's a film that comes out, like The Exorcist or like Halloween, and you watch it, and you just know that for the next decade, movies are going to copy what that does. And this did that. And, you know, with the now with hindsight, Midsommar, which is by the same director, but um, this kind of felt like a um, in the vein of also The Lodge, which is a, a newer film that also takes an approach that this film did. It's gritty. It has this occult undertone. It's normally a slow burn. It mixes all of this realism and occultism into, into horror. It isn't just, you know, big ghosts and demons attacking people. It's rooted in this gritty, realistic ritual. Mm. And that is riveting to me. Because it's like, this is the stuff that, that Fox News pundits back during Satanic Panic thought everyone who listened to, to Slipknot did, right? I mean, like, this is the stuff that they assume any metalhead, any, like, anyone with, like, a, a, who understood a lyric of Led Zeppelin even. Like, they just assumed that they were doing these crazy rituals in there. And it, it, I love this old school occult ritual stuff so much, man. This King Payman, this the, raising the king of hell through, through the male, uh, through a vulnerable male vessel. Yeah. The fact that this film, and again, like, Nick, you watched this once and then you skinned it a second time for this mm-hmm. episode. This movie, as you keep watching it, you realize things like, Oh, everybody in the in the in the mother's life is part of this occult uh, this, this cult group that eventually tries to raise King Payman. Everybody in the support group, they're all the naked people in the house at the end of the film. They're in all the photos of the grandmother's scrapbook. I mean, there are, everything in this film is is fake to initiate this ritual that we get at the very end of the movie. And the reason I love that is because. The film seems disparate and broken up and, and, and aimless until you find that out. And then when you watch it again, you see everything is purposely an imitation, right? I mean, the protagonist even, she just, she makes a living off of building imitation art. Like, it's perfect. Everything in this film was very carefully put together. And as you go through it, I, I can't help but just pick up on more of these little strands that were just so, so well done about how because we, we think the film is about grief. We think it's about how this family breaks itself apart, hates each other, loves each other, gets torn into a million pieces, and then mental health issues exacerbate the problem. And then you realize all of that is futile because everybody, behind every, every inciting incident, behind every drama that we thought was important, somebody was pulling the strings and making it happen to inevitably bring them to the finale. Yeah. And all of it was pointless. That is heavy to realize. Every single thing that happened in this movie was pointless. And what I think you might appreciate is there is a heavy nod to Halloween in this movie. 
in the 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 schoolyard in the school mm-hmm. sequence when um we talked about in the original Halloween episode that we did how this kind of introduced this this trope that horror films would really be obsessed with where the teacher starts talking about a lesson that's very relevant to the movie about how you know fate can't be avoided no matter what you do it's always following you and then the protagonist is looking out the window and Michael Myers is staring at her from across the yeah. road they did that in this yeah. movie they did it with this brilliant scene about um where somebody's talking about they're doing a review of some literature and, and the student says we're all pawns in this hopeless machine that's exactly what the movie's about everybody is just a pawn in this hopeless exercise of grieving and just being broken until they inevitably fall victim to this puppeteer who we don't know exists until the very end that's brilliant man i i just i think that is the type of just nihilistic no just satanic occult horrible horror that i want to see 30 times before i die like i want so many more movies like this yeah uh, that that just take this new route, it's great. And so I, I wanted I, that said. Now that I've defended my my hype for it, why I love it so much, and I, I knew that I felt like this wouldn't be a movie for you, because I I just I felt like I totally get why so many people were on the fence about it. Like I, I understand it, even though I'm not that way. I watched it once and fell in love with it. But I really want to hear. Beyond, I know that, that the girl clicking her tongue bothered you, but I know you. there's something in this movie that really must have thrown you off, and I'm curious about what that is. So, I mean, dive in, man. I, I want to hear oh, your thoughts on God. this. Uh, okay, uh, where do I even begin? Um, <laughs> and I, I'm sure a lot of the, the, the problems that I have with this movie is probably because I've only really watched it once, and I kind of just skimmed through it a second time. I kind of feel, sure. I kind of feel like if you're watching a movie and you don't get it the first time, then what the fuck is the point of going through and watching it a second time? But then I have this other other side of me that's telling me, well, that's the point, and that's the beauty of it, because then you you realize, oh, I've missed I've missed so much. Because I wasn't paying attention. And it's kind of this... Like, I have this duality uh, point of view about how I feel about this movie. Because, I, like, one side of me... One side of me, like, enjoys the, like, really intense, creepy moments. Because there's, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of instances where if you're really not paying attention to this film... Yeah. then you're going to miss out on so much and yeah and even really important scenes will entirely pass you by if you're not and, watching and uh like like the scene with the uh the light pole like you really really have to be paying attention to see the uh I forget what it's called but there's a there's a name for that that symbol as a say satanic mm. symbol or whatever uh, I just I can't I can't fucking remember what it's called. But they're they're supposed uh, pentagram. Huh? It's not a it's not a pentagram. It's what the grandmother was wearing. Uh, oh yes yes yeah I forget the name of that too. But yeah I know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, I'm sure people have seen this movie who are listening to this podcast are like it's this you fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> but uh, you really have to be paying attention to this movie and. Uh, 
for for two hours <laughs> for two hours by the way uh, <laughs> and uh, i don't know maybe it's because i'm just undeniably just fucking stupid would it would it would... no, no. <laughs> do, do not fall victim there there's a community that loves this movie and like it comes at night and in the witch yeah. and all these movies that i like too who think it's like some intellectual thing this is definitely like high art horror right there's a lot yeah. of artistic license and literary it's... license that they throw in this movie but i assure you enjoying it has nothing to do with intelligence like this, this, zero. I don't know mm, what's wrong with these people who think that they're some enlightened group mm, because they I, like, I like slow caviar. Movies. And my favorite movie <laughs> is Hereditary. Like, you literally sit on your couch and watch this thing flicker in your face long enough, and it'll start making sense. That's it. Like it, it's a brilliant film, and it's layered, and it's got a lot going going for it. But it's just like any other movie, ultimately, where where not every single subplot will jump out at you all at once. Um, I want to talk about that scene where Charlie dies. I mean, they that could have been a boring, inciting incident. Like, so many of these horrible modern horror films start off with. He's driving her back from a party, and she sticks her head out the window, and she dies. And then, no, they don't do that route. They make the most psychologically damaging scene I've seen oh. in a long time. Oh, my God. Where this kid stares off, refuses to look at the body, and he literally takes his foot off of the gas pedal never presses acceleration and cruises home at like three miles per hour in the middle of the night and then just walks upstairs and goes to bed and lets his mom who just lost her mother find the decapitated body in the car and then she just screams for weeks on end that's what that time cut was oh that is so brilliant how do you make a boring exposition that Jarring, and that just this movie jumped right into it. I love that about it. It, it, It's not scared. Tony Collette, that actress, Mm. did such an amazing job. It was so just um, like so powerful and just emotionally tearing. Like, like the dialogue that she just that she's giving sharing what she feels she just wants to die it hurts too much like jesus christ i like that that scene especially just made me feel like like i felt so much for that character and even though nothing all of it means nothing matters hey if you love what you've been hearing so far please consider supporting nick and i on patreon We put loads of work into all of the podcasts that we do, and we've created our own little network. So you can be one of our first supporters. Just go over to Patreon, to the Black Lagoon Network. That's patreon.com slash BLN. You can support all of our shows there. How brilliant is that? All of it means nothing. That's the brilliance of the ending. All of her grief, the roller coaster that was their life for the last month, amounts to nothing because what they think is so important about the human experience is pointless they're being puppeteered for a larger purpose right they're pawns in this hopeless machine like that girl said in the classroom king fucking paimon man king paimon yes (laughs) take them i loved it so this movie i would is mostly worth watching for the ending because it slow burns and builds up to that ridiculously tense final sequence which is probably my favorite part of the movie overall okay so that i was i was wondering if that would be a big payoff for you because to me that's what this movie is 
everything in, in the build-up is supposed to trick you into thinking that it's a movie about grief. And then you get there. And you, you see what all of this was inevitably leading to no matter what. And you watch the movie again and you realize all of the crucial figures in this film were being puppeteered by some larger force. And all of this was just waiting to happen. It was waiting to, to unleash itself. And it just, the movie becomes entirely different when you watch it again. It's a wholly new film. But man, when this movie starts going and you, there's that great the sitting sequence where you're watching the, the, the sun in bed. And if you're not looking carefully enough, you don't see a, a human being clinging to the corner, the darkest corner of his room, staring uh-huh. at him. And it just sits there for like a full minute. And then he gets out of bed and it just crawls across the wall. And it, like, that's where this movie starts to shine. Because it, it doesn't do jump scares. It doesn't even try to be scary. The stuff that's there is just there. When the mom saw her grandma in her, in her room, she was just there. There wasn't a spike in music. There wasn't, it wasn't framed in a creepy way. She was just there. When the creepy naked occultists are standing all around in this room, they're just there, smiling. It doesn't try to be like, oh, look, we're scary. It's just like, no, these are things that are happening. And this, what's scary is your brain won't believe that it's happening. That is a brilliant new take. That is such a nice departure from Annabelle 13, right? That is such a nice departure from, from, from Paranormal Activity 17, whatever. Like, this is such a new way to do this. I, I love it. I really do love it. One of the most ridiculous things that I fucking missed in this movie, and you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna look at me like I'm smoking crack or something. I, I completely missed the dog. Throughout, yes. Throughout, well, that was it. Was really subtle though. Like from the beginning, I didn't, I didn't notice the dog until. Um, like shit was going down oh, okay. and the dog pops up. Now I see. And you, you thought, who let the dog in? I see what you mean. I thought you meant you didn't know what happened to the dog. I was like... The first viewing. Like, you meant you didn't know the dog existed until you saw it dying. Yeah, I didn't notice the dog <laughs> until it was there. Like, it, yeah. like I, I just... I was like, what? Where did this dog come from? What the fuck is going on? Is the dog supposed to symbolize something? No, the dog was a part of the fucking family, and it's just so subtle that you don't even realize it. Even though after yeah, after the yeah. funeral and everything, when they're when they're going back home and they enter the home, and the dad's petting the dog, like good boy. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. What the hell's wrong with me? What like subtle things like that you can miss? I guess. Yeah. Like you have to. Like, was I smoking crack? I don't smoke crack, people. Well, the, I just... There's so much going on in a lot of the scenes. Even though it's a lot of domestic stuff, like, oh, they're coming home from a funeral and walking around. There's a lot going on. And there's a lot of scenery that invites you and teaches you a bit about them and their life. So I think it's easy to overlook things like how the, the, the layout in her art room is constantly changing as she's taking on new projects that aren't the one that she's being commissioned to do. Which, and it's like there are all of these little things that, that, that start changing. And when you watch the film again and understand this, this great nihilistic subtext to all of it, yeah. it's like, man, this is, 
solid filmmaking. And again, it, it's not some like intellectual masterpiece. It's not what I'm. It doesn't have to be like oh, it's smart horror. It's it's still a horror film, and it's still just great cinema right. it's served up to you. But it takes a few viewings to really to to find a lot of it. And then once you do, I just think this is such a unique film. And we'll we'll do Midsummer at one point. Midsummer is a lot more direct. There are still little things, little nuggets kind of hidden in there. But man, this so um, oh King Paimon. One thing, King, do you have something to? Some some people call him Paimon, Paimon. What, however, however you want to pronounce it, he's uh, one of seventy-two demons, and you can honestly, you can really do your research on that or whatever. But how interesting would it be to get seventy-two films based on all the other demons by this director? Man, how cool would that? Yeah, I mean, Midsummer also takes a really occultish feeling like this does but you're right how cool would it be at the end of your at the end of your filmography to have just presented all of the different domestic scary ways that these things can be brought to life that would be an incredible project i think it would be pretty i would be so behind that it'd be pretty cool to like connect every single one of those movies all together and just wrap it up in a nice fucking disturbing bow of of nihilism i i just <laughs> and try to not make it a, a another avengers universe and then what what did they do um what was the failed universe they were planning with the mummy and oh the dark the, 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 the black lagoon or swamp the, the thing? dark universe uh, we don't need more <laughs> we don't need more of these <laughs> just make great one-off movies and oh man but I agree with you. That would be such a cool project. Yeah, that would be pretty to, cool. To do something that broad. I, I think that'd be... One thing I really want to talk about. How how great was that scene where the mom doesn't... We find out it's a dream later. But when she walks into the son's oh room... Oh my god. And she's and like... And just screaming. I, I just... And then he wakes up. And then she says, I didn't want to have you. And then she like covers her mouth. Like she finally let the secret out. Because she hates him, but loves him. And this is crazy great pointless familial tension there and then as they're talking they get more and more soaked in gasoline until out of nowhere she lights them on fire man this is good writing like throughout like no matter what how your feelings about like the pacing or anything like that this is a brilliantly written film and scenes like that that were so shocking are the perfect foil to boring long sequences about people driving or staring off at nothing and then out of nowhere you get her lighting herself and her son on fire oh my god what brilliant film work because it it immediately goes from just like the son sleeping and then it pans to the left and he sees he sees his sister and her head topples off of her body and then turns into a bouncing ball and then they just move on to the story like I what (laughs) madman wrote all of this they're brilliant (laughs) Is the is the director smoking crack again? Is that is that, is that what's happening? That would explain a lot, but it turns maybe, out great. maybe that's what's hereditary about this film. It's just addiction. Addiction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when when Charlie pulls out that fucking huge ass chocolate bar and and she's eating it. 
the dad's like, that doesn't have nuts in it, does it? And she's like, no. And then the mom's like, that doesn't have nuts in it, does it? I'm just like, like, yes. Okay. That's an immediate, like, clue. Like, she has a nut allergy. That's going to play a big part in this film. I don't know when it's going to happen. Was that too, like, heavy-handed exposition for you? Or are you just saying it was foreshadowing? I mean, it, like, it was foreshadowing. It was, like, I'm okay. not going to say that it's heavy-handed, because I kind of appreciate that kind of stuff, because I'm not, like, I was just... I don't know, maybe I was, like, really head in the clouds while watching this film. Not to say that I didn't enjoy the movie or that it was boring. It's just... I don't know. I'm more used to slasher films and like sure. like other films like The Thing and stuff like that. I, I love huge just special effects movies and just... And I will say The Thing has a lot in common with this movie. Sort of As sort far of as like the dread. An in... unknowing uh, force of nature that's just preying yeah. on this, you know, cast of characters and you don't you don't know where it is you don't know where it's at yeah and even just the the long moments of nothingness in just domestic scenery yeah punctuated by just screaming blood and a canister and heads crawling around with spider legs it really it it seems heavily inspired by that type of heads this seems like (laughs) heads turning into bouncy balls (laughs) and stuff like that yes um what was the what was the deal with the flashing light do you know? I I don't. And, and um, it maybe kind of gave me maybe a, actually uh, it kind of gave me a uh, Donnie Darko sort of vibe. Oh yeah. You hmm. think about it. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of um, when I watched the movie the first time, it was hard for me to distinguish how real supernatural stuff was versus if this is just grief playing psychological games on them. And on this viewing, I already knew the ending, and I knew the, the truth behind all this in, in this film's world. And I didn't have that question, so I watched everything just as it, as pretending it really was happening, and then trying to distinguish the stuff that was being imitated and puppeteered from all that. The light, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure... I mean, it was coming to all these characters independently. It seemed like more of a supernatural thing. But, um, and I don't know what significance it's supposed to have to the script or the story or the characters. Uh, there are there are people who like diving into that stuff. I kind of do, but there's a point where I think it's too far to be fun, and that maybe that gets to the point where it's like the symbolism of the light aligns with, you know, this celestial body which would be in this location at this time. That's when it goes too far. People have done that with this movie, but um, it it did seem to be just a leading, a guiding, a guiding light, right, toward um, this letting this ritual fall into place like like we kind of learn how the spot was preordained for that girl to get her head off and decapitation is important right she cuts the head off of the bird she loses her head the old lady the grandma lost her head the mom saws her head off why why with the that's always been if you uh with like cult tradition and demonology and medieval lore in general decapitation and, and certain happenings to the body 
are heavily symbolic. I mean, when you look at any type of like ritual behavior, it's this idea that the, the stuff that we physically do in our realm can ha be a form of communication with the realm beyond mm -hmm. us. So aligning yourself in a certain, standing on certain stars or in a certain, in a certain line from one another, lighting a candle and chanting in unison has some metaphysical effect that affects another realm. This is the idea that medievals and, and that you find in a lot of like spiritual text about summoning and that's the point of ritual, mm -hmm. of what if we can align ourselves in such a way that we can communicate with something beyond us in the same way it can communicate with so us. Is that, so is, is that why she chopped off the head of the fucking pigeon? Because I don't understand. That's the thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's cool because there's a point where we're like, does she, she's not being controlled by something to do that, right? Is she Witch. just doing it? We know that she was very close with the grandmother and she had these weird witchy behaviors like creating straw figures and, and like she had very strange behavior and her desk was always filled with weird stuff that ended up being on the ritual table of that lady at the, um, the self-help meeting so, thing about grieving families. So like, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm really like trying to wrap my head around this. So this little girl knows all about like the occult or whatever do you think that like her grandma i don't think so you don't think that she knows about like the occult or i i don't think so i think she has i think she was raised in the image of her grandmother i mean there's this great scene where she says who's gonna take care of me now and the mom's like i will i'm your mom but it becomes so clear that the grandma was the maternal figure for this girl and she said she was like, I'm, who's going to take care of me now that she's gone? She's like, I, the girl who gave birth to you and has raised you? It's like, no, she has her grandma as this high maternal mm -hmm. figure. And I, I don't think that it's such that she was enlightened about the ritual and she was playing along with it. I think it is just crazy. It's supposed to show the far-reaching effects of this type of behavior. It isn't that somebody was necessarily puppeteering it down to a T. It was that there is a healthy dose of coincidence so that lends itself to ritual. Like, it isn't so much that they said, at this pole, at this time, you will go to this party, and then you will drive home, and we're going to put nuts in the batter of this cookie. That's crazy, right? It's just that, like, f like life aligns itself. It's, it's in the fabric of, of our realm. So when she, when she died and all of this stuff happened and unfolded, I think it was just, like fate it was like destiny like in the in the, in the classroom they're talking about we're all pawns in this hopeless machine i think it's like it doesn't matter if someone's forcing you to do it or if you un if it unknowingly happens to you you are not escaping it you're in this hopeless machine because you can't understand it and it's all inevitably leading down to this thing because whatever's going on is way beyond us that's the point of like family conflict over dinner doesn't matter bigger things are going on and that makes this little squabble futile right i mean the stuff that's happening in the background cannot be comprehended that's the sense i got from it not that everyone had a part to play in it if that makes sense i just still don't understand the whole pigeon decapitation thing is it just is it just for symbolism i mean if that's the case then don't you think that's kind of just a little far-fetched because like oh artsy um because then that just does it really doesn't make sense with 
with the character or is the character supposed to be that weird and if that's the case then I, she's fucking yeah. psychotic <laughs> right or 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 grieving the loss of her technically mother i mean not if, technically symbolically if my mother. mom died then you're not so, gonna see me go chop off the heads of a hundred kittens or whatever I don't know. So I, I, I don't think it was, it was symbolic because it happened so often. It was, it was a, a plot device. It was a necessary ritualistic thing that was happening. I don't get the feeling that it was symbolic and shoehorned in. Um, and if you watch the film, I mean, this, this little girl has some bizarre behavior. Again, she's creating these little figurines and, fucking... and on her desk she has all these drawings that... and... And she's just carrying the head that around. Click. And she didn't seem disturbed. The clicking of the tongue. The click, yeah, whatever that was. <laughs> so th- there's a lot going on there. And again, the film blurs the line between psychological um, neuroses and, and just kind of neurotic behavior and then actual occult spiritual mm. I- right. interventions in, in the physical world. And it's hard to know where those lines are blurred and where they aren't. Because there are moments where things that look to be really supernatural might be entirely imagined. Then there are moments where that's actually going down. So I I think that's part of what I like about the movie because if it's it's it, I feel like it portrays this content in the most realistic way possible, which is it's way bigger than us. It's intertwined in ways that we cannot comprehend. It's not just like like we're all playing our own chess game and we can arrange the board in such a way that these rituals can come about it's fate it's maybe you can run a a grief counseling Mm -hmm. hall and get somebody to run a ritual in their own house not knowing that that's inviting these things in Um, but ultimately that doesn't matter you aren't essential to this plan it's going to happen anyways you're just prodding along something that's inevitable and I love that idea that these ritual people aren't like the authors of the world's fate they aren't they aren't higher than payment but they are prodding him along his inevitable return to earth it will happen in some way in some fate with different people being the 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 pawns in that machine but the fact that they take it into their own to hasten it along and to author tiny parts of it before ultimately giving themselves up to him that seems like, man, someone did their research before they wrote this. It isn't just dumb paranormal activity. Like, I found in this book online that, that I think this being is king hi- whatever. <laughs> king whatever, because he, oh, look, he likes eating these granola bars and, and knocks three times on the door before he comes in. That's what they did. Roll the tape. Like, it's not like this dumb, like, oh, easy no. logic he that just, I think... He, he clogged the toilet. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Dear God, it smells. <laughs> well, they really do that. Like it's almost like like a like a It smells of, of Satanism. Stuff. It smells of Satan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't See, I'm torn. I'm really torn because I want to like the film. There's a like you're making like like I understand. I completely understand as to why you love this film. And in no way whatsoever, like, 
I just, I don't know. I like, I want to like this film, but there's just something about it that that makes me like say, oh, this is two hours long. Do I really <laughs> want to go through this emotional roller coaster ride that literally means nothing? Like for 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 two hours, is that? I think that for I, I mean I guess if you're averse to this level of slow burn film which is this is a real slow burn even though they do there there's some stuff sprinkled in there definitely um it's probably the thing is when you're first watching it all of these minor squabbles feel like important and you're like yeah. this is part of the movie they're having this tug and back and forth between this familial conflict and this grieving and and then it's just whipped out from I under think, them and it's like nope you're nothing i think you just you made something click and it's probably because i'm not really used to this speed sure. of slow burn and i'm more used to halloween which is significantly sure. it's it's also a brilliant it's film slow but it picks up and yeah. it's not too f- it's that's not, a good point halloween is surprisingly it's slow it's not two hours but long. it's also <laughs> yeah yeah um well no man i mean i'm glad I'm glad. The reason I wanted to show this to you so badly is because I, I knew you would you would fall on a different side of this than I did. And I really yeah. wanted to talk that out. I mean, that's what this podcast is for because I think that's just such a... That's the good part. I mean, it, it wouldn't be as fun if we were both just rambling on about, you know, so, raising payment from the dead. I want to talk about my favorite scene. Yeah, go for it, man. In this movie. Oh my god okay so well technically two two scenes even though they're con- they're connected okay. together because one happens right after the other so um when the mother becomes possessed by paimon and she's chasing peter throughout the house that shit was mm. freaky that was terrifying and yes. like yes. I, I don't give a fuck about like how tough you are you could have the biggest dick in the world that shit will turn into a <laughs> vagina like faster than you can say eat me i i <laughs> oh my god that that shit like as soon as she started chasing after him and what was it she was like running on all fours or something and like when Man. when Peter goes up into the attic and he cl- he shuts the door and she like she's banging her head on the door and you realize like she's on the she's she's on the ceiling right now like that's yeah. not that's not normal mommy you sawing her you own need to, man like there's we got to get a priest up in this motherfucker and and just straight <laughs> up exercise this goddamn gin it's a genie apparently you know while we're talking about ritual behavior i'm pretty sure you finding that hundred dollar bill outside of church i think that means something man you might be you might be a pawn in a machine right now (laughs) this stuff in your life might start (laughs) honestly i'm very will he take it or will he not i don't know why but for whatever reason ever since like i was really little i was very good at like finding lost money and 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's just... I don't know. Is this... It, did you have some role in raising King Payman, riches to the conjurer? Maybe you, you're, you're part of a lineage who... I think you know too... Who brought I, I him to life. I think you know too much. I think <laughs> you know too much, Brian, and... You do have that handy book labeled Spiritualism <laughs> in your room, which lays out the entire ritualistic, like, step-by-step. It's a wiki how to raise no, the Oh, you're talking about, man. <laughs> You, oh, no, man. no! Don't look at it. I don't. I so, don't want to kill you, man. No. <laughs> that that one scene. It that was the only thing that overreached for me. The spiritualism book. But I get why it was. It had to be there. But so tell me about part two of your of this favorite scene of yours. So as that's happening, we. Uh, so Peter's in the attic and everything. He's freaking the fuck out, and you kind of kind of notice that Peter isn't the only one. In, in the attic yeah you notice uh oh there's some like you will miss it like the first time you're watching if you're not paying close attention you will miss it which i missed and then when i went when i went back and i like watched a few youtube videos going into depth oh, yeah. uh, which i really i really do like those um those youtube channels i can't really uh I can't really tell you uh, which ones, like, I can't give you a name or anything like that because it's just, like, not in my head right now, uh, but... The ones that break down the movies into, like, he, little he does, pieces and... He does, it, like, f- like, um, f- like, film analysis and, like, like... Oh, yeah. What, like, Hereditary fucked me up and shit like that, and he goes into, like detail about why this film is so just scary and dreadful and and yeah. scenes that you did you would see there were other miss. naked people like positioned so, in the house in doorways so you i wonder if you missed some of them too pro- probably i probably did it's creepy I, like they just wasn't, sit there smiling. wasn't one of them it's the crazy. teacher in the attic he was a teacher maybe so yeah he was maybe he, so a lot of them were characters who were already in the story then then you hear this like noise and you see peter like you see like a little bit of blood just kind of like splatter on peter's shirt and then he looks up yeah. and you see you see his mother spoiler alert spoiler alert oh my god oh, by this point <laughs> hopefully they know <laughs> um, because by then you're already you're already fucked uh i spoiled so much mm-hmm. uh we spoiled so much sorry not sorry really uh <laughs> you see his mother floating in midair, just fucking sawing yeah. her own head off. And I love this scene so much because, again, I love special effects. And yeah. that shit was so just gruesome. The The sound effects were just bone chilling and, like, it yeah. just made my toes curl. And I... Uh, I think they used um, like a guitar string and like a piece mm-hmm. of meat to get that sound effect, and then they used a saw um, and a piece of bone to get that sound of uh, bone snapping. I like I read I read somewhere it was effective, huh? It was oh, great. so good! It was really effective. So effective! Yeah. It sounded like you could hear it cutting through every. Brilliant, brilliant sound and design. I loved, I love this scene because 
first of all, um, okay, I, give me one second. I have to pull her name up because sure. I completely for You're I completely good. forgot the character's name and everything. Uh, Annie, the mother. Um, yes, I felt like I grieved with her. Even though it means nothing whatsoever, it means nothing. <laughs> this movie means nothing. I felt <laughs> so much for her. I mean, she lost yeah. her mother, but she wasn't really close with her mother, so okay. Then she loses her daughter, only to discover her fucking corpse, her headless corpse. And, like, that scene was so intense, and you you witness her mental decline throughout this film only for her to be possessed by Paimon himself, the the king the king of the demons or <laughs> the king of the, the devils or whatever um, whatever, the, the king uh, he uh, so as soon as he possesses her and everything that's just like that's so that's so horrible your your life yeah your life is so fucked only only for it to be ended by the hands of a demon you get possessed and just (laughs) all because you were stupid enough to fucking read read off of that 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 little uh summoning script or whatever what was it I can't it's, remember the language. Um, it's not Arabic. Probably Latin it's or Latin. something. I'm it's not Latin. sure. That's what it was. Yeah. Normally those things are. It's just brilliant about just like feasting on vulnerability and pain. That's such a demonic type behavior, right? And, and I love this idea that these bad actors were out there looking for grief and just feasting on it and exploiting it to bring about this thing that's so much larger than them. That feels right. That feels evil, right? Other stuff with people in black robes chanting in unison and burning incense, that doesn't feel evil. I'm so glad we finally watched this. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I've I'm been, I feel be... like there's weight off my shoulders at this point. <laughs> I feel like the more, the more I watch this movie, the more I will learn to appreciate it a lot more. And sure. the more research that I would like if i took the time to do fucking research i'd probably appreciate this movie a lot more as well so yeah that's basically it uh my camera is hell king paimon hell king paimon my camera's gonna die and yes um all right we'll wrap up thanks so much for watching yeah thank you for listening to me ramble about this nick (laughs) i'm so glad you gave this a shot and I'm glad we, we finally um, added this to our archive. I'm happy um, that we could do it. I mean, and I'm yes. excited for the future. And oh, we forgot to give. Uh, yes. We forgot to do our little shout out. So, as you notice, uh, Podcast from Black Lagoon has a new logo, a new design. And uh, that is all thanks to Taylor. What's her last name? Taylor so, so Feld. She did an amazing job. Taylor, if you were listening to this, thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks, Taylor. And we have got plenty of content planned. We're, we're, we're still working on taking this podcast in a new direction. We're aiming at bigger, greater things. So uh, I love we've got a listenership. I love that you guys keep coming back. You know, keep it up.
thanks for sitting through uh, 60 minute episodes I will I might edit this down a bit thank maybe, you for sitting not. through these and, and listening to us and uh, keep you know keep supporting we've got a lot of great films that we're going to cover soon and some fun new ideas I that really, we're going to conquer so I really hope dementia is an hereditary in my family oh yeah okay <laughs> why do you say that <laughs> I was just making a joke you know because you need to have at least one oh yes I I Wow, we should have opened with something like that. We, uh, you, well, we'll, we'll end You still with need that. to top your your doom inebriation. I think uh, that I is mean, the gold standard. I, I hope pun. that explosive <laughs> diarrhea isn't hereditary in my family. Okay. <laughs> you have your joke formula. We're just going to run through it. Thank you for listening. And um, stay in touch because you, you've got to listen to more Nick puns coming up. Alcoholism is hereditary in my family. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> All right. All right. That's why I'm doing coffee over here. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching. Goodbye. <laughs>